Good morning. For those of you that don't know, I hate using the mic. Um, anyway, next Sunday we're going to end the series talking about the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. Um, and then the following Sunday, so the love of God today, the Spirit of God next Sunday, which will end our series. And then on the third Sunday in this month, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, raise your hand if you ever heard of, of, of Matt Chandler, uh, a nationally renowned pastor at a church called The Village in Dallas. Um, a friend of mine, uh, Mike Johnny, is an associate pastor there, and he will be coming here to speak to us on the 19th. So, the love of God today, the Spirit of God next Sunday, and the third Sunday in this month. My friend will be coming all the way from Dallas, uh, the Village Church, to to share with us the gospel. Um, and then after that, that fourth Sunday in March, we'll, as I told you before, we'll go back and forth between uh, topical preaching, uh, which is what we're in right now, and expositional preaching, which is just walking through uh, a book of the Bible. And so in that fourth Sunday, we'll walk through a book of the Bible. And so, but today, again, we're talking about the, the love of God, which I'm really excited about. And um, two things, we're going to start off talking, in talking about the love of God, we will, number one, address God's relationship to love, okay? As with all the other attributes, what is God's relationship to love? And then number two, what does that mean to us? Because of God's relationship to love, how does that affect us and what does that mean to us? Um, before we get into that, let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for uh, all of your many blessings. We thank you for, uh, we thank you, God, for being so good to us. God, I humble myself completely uh, before you. Uh, we need to hear from you. We need you to be present, God. We need you to speak during this time. My opinions mean nothing. My thoughts mean absolutely nothing. Um, it is only what you have to say that is important. And so, God, we ask that you forgive us of our sins, Heavenly Father. Please, if there be any distractions, uh, anything that would hinder us, that would stand in the way of us hearing from you, God, we ask that you remove those things in the name of Jesus. Please, Father. Speak to your people a word that will change us and move us towards you. Help us, God. We humble ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Talking about the love of God. The first thing we want to look at in regards to the love of God. Um, and as we, we've gone through these attributes looking at the love of God, what is God's relationship to love? And so we're going to look at 1 John, the 4th chapter, the 7th, and the 8th verse. 1 John, the 4th chapter, the 7th, and the 8th verse. What is, what is God's relationship to love? And it reads thus, Behold, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God 
and knows God. Anyone who does not love God does not know God. I want to say that again. Anyone who does not love, anyone who does not love does not know God. And it's pretty simple. Why? Because God is love. God is love. He is love. This is a little different than the other attributes that we've talked about. This is a, a, a little different in addressing this. Um, I'm actually a, a little more excited about talking about this uh, because this one hits a little closer to home than the rest of them. This attribute is closer to the heart of God than the rest of the attributes. This attribute is, means more to God than the rest of the attributes. Uh, and we talked about all these different attributes, faithfulness, power, holiness, that he's just, he's eternal, he's omniscient, which means he knows everything, uh, the glory of God, uh, the, and, and today, of course, the love of God. And the, when, in talking about the attributes of God, we're talking about the characteristics of God. Okay, but in talking about God's characteristics, it, we're talking about things that are at his disposal, that in, uh, in exercising these different attributes, he has the ability to step in or out of these characteristics. But Zechariah 4, Zechariah 4 and 6 is an example of that. Where God says, not by my might, not, nor by my power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Not by might, nor by my power. I'm going to do this one by my spirit. And so in choosing to use might or power, he chooses in that moment, well, I'm not going to use might this time. I'm not going to use power this time, but I'll come back to that later. This time I'll go with my spirit. And so God, in, in talking about these different characteristics, he has the ability to go in and out of different characteristics. He has the ability to be anything that he wants to be and, and be anything that he wants to be to us. But love is not an attribute that he can step in and out of. He cannot get away from love. Because it's not that God has love. It's not just that he uses love. But 1 John 4, 7 and 8 lets us know that God is love. That he is love. Not just that he has it or, or he has access to it. It's not just that he shows it. You know, and, and those of you that are in relationship with God certainly know that God shows love. But it goes much deeper than that. He doesn't just show it because he wants to. He shows love. He distributes love because he is love. God is love. That love is the equivalent of God. That verse in the, in the Greek literally meaning that God equals love. God equals love. God cannot step outside of love because he cannot step outside of himself. God is love. 
We talked about in, the, in Zechariah 4 and 6, not by my might, not by my power, but by my spirit, that God can move in and out of these different characteristics. But in being love, he cannot step outside of love because he cannot step outside of himself. And so because God is love and that he cannot, even for a moment, God cannot abandon love. Even for a second, God cannot step outside of love. And so because of that, what does that mean? All of his reactions are love. All of the reactions of God are love reactions. And so if God is in five different situations and he has five different problems, he's going to handle each problem with love. And so it's like, God, well, what are you going to do about this situation? And so God looks at it, he sizes it up. Well, I think I'm going to love him. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to love him. God, what are you going to do about this person? They did this and this is what happened. God, what are you going to do about this? Well, let me, let me see. Uh, I think I'm going to love. I'm pretty sure I'm going to love. Let's, let's go with that. I'll love. And so God, all of his reactions are love. Even when he disciplines, he loves. Even when he's trying to correct you, he's still loving you. Because he can never step outside of love any more than I can step outside of being black. He cannot do it. Not even for a second. If I just wanted to fake out being black, I can't do it. I have too much of it. It's all over the place. I know you can't see under this shirt. I know you can't see in these jeans. There's a lot of black up under here. And I cannot get away from it. Not even for a second. There's nothing I can do. Uh-uh. It ain't happening. And God, in the same way, can now fake out love. He can't juke love. No matter what he does, love will always be uh, something that will be communicated. Even when he disciplines, even when he's coming down on us, it's still love. I remember my father used to tell me uh, he would uh, <laughs> he would <laughs> he would he would he would whoop me, and my brother, and and then after it he would sit next to us on the bed as if I wanted to hear anything uh, that was said at that point. Um, but he, but he would say, he said, Derek, the reason I, I whoop you, the reason I discipline you, he said, I do it so that the police won't. <laughs> that the police won't. Uh, he said, if, 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 if I don't do it, you're going to be disciplined by somebody. And this is the truth for all our kids. You're going to be disciplined by somebody. He said, if I don't do it, the police will. He said, when the police hit you, they're not going to be careful. They're going to hit you upside your head. They're not going to be careful for your health and all that. Uh, he, he said, when I beat you, I'm very careful not to, not to uh, knock you out. He would, would let us know uh, that he had the ability to, though. <laughs> and he would often say, um, I brought you in this world. Did y'all have the same dad? Are all our dads saying the same stuff? 
And he would let me know, I'm not going to kill you, but I, but I could. But I could. And so even in disciplining, it was in being a good father. I make light of it now, but it was he was the best father ever. And he, even in disciplining, there was this obvious love that the discipline had more to do with my life direction. I remember the day I hit my sister. I hit my sister once my whole life. I was, I was eight years old. I hit my sister with my right. This is, this is imprinted in my mind. I hit my sister with my right hand on her left arm. I'll, I'll never forget the time I did. I didn't even use And the crazy thing was, I was six or seven, so she was 11 or 12. It didn't hurt her. Uh, She didn't cry, but she did tell me, oh, you're going to pay for that. Oh, and she was right. She must have been prophetic uh, because she knew at 12 that I would pay dearly for that. And I can't tell you what happened that evening when my dad got home. I I do want to let you know he was very intentional about the fact that that would never happen again. Never ever happen again. And again, I make light of it now, but this is very, very serious. And I, and I really do appreciate him for that day. He said, if I, if I let you hit your sister, I'll never forget, I'm seven years old. He said, if I let you hit your sister, one day you hit your wife. And he said, I'm doing your wife a favor now. Well, fast forward, you know, however many years, 30 years, and I've never hit my wife or flinched at her or anything of the sort. And it's because of the correction. And so even in correcting, it was about love. And if you're in this room right now and God is correcting you, you're having a hard time. Things are going a certain way. And you know why it's going a certain way. You know what you did. You know what you've done wrong. I want you to know that even in God's correction, love is not ever present. It's not ever not present. God cannot step outside of love. God is love, and so all his responses are love. And so in knowing that God is love, he equals love, we could flip that around and say the same, that love is God. That love equals God. And so if God is love, he cannot step outside of love. All of his reactions are love. But if love is God, then all the things that we would say about God, we have to say about love. Because love is God. And so if love is God, then love is in complete control. If love is God, then love sits on the throne. If love is God, then love is all-powerful. As we give love to people, please never forget that. That love is all powerful. I hate when I hear people say that, oh, this person or that person, everybody knows somebody. Uh, most, I, I hate when I hear people say that someone is beyond change. I, I, I hate it. I hate it. It is, it is undermining the power of the love of God. There is no soul, no soul has ever been created, no soul has ever existed that is is immune, immune to the power of the love of God. There is no heart that is immune to God's love. Love works on everybody. 
Love works on everybody. Love can change anybody. And so as we deal with people, love them. Love them. Love is God. And so if love, even in love being God, it would mean that love is eternal. We would have to know that love has no limits or bounds because God has no limits or bounds. If love is God, then love is not democratic or republican because love has no bounds. If love is God, then love isn't black or white. It doesn't side with either because love has no bounds. Love knows no gender. The Bible says that God is no respective person. We talked a few uh, Sundays back about the promiscuity of the spirit of God. Promiscuous in the sense that it just doesn't care. That God will love, literally, God will love anybody. That God loves everybody. If God is love, then we have to know that the characteristics, that love takes on the characteristics of God. And so love is patient. Love is kind. Why? Because God is. Love does not envy or boast. Why? Because God does not. 1 Corinthians 13. Love is not arrogant or rude. Why? Because God is not. Love is not irritable, resentful. Goes on to say that love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Says that it bears all things, believes all things, endures all things. Love does this. Another thing about love, the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave. God loved you so much that when he chose one way to express it, he said, well, I'll give. I I, I love them so much. I love them so much. I love them so much. What am I going to do? How am I going to express this love? I love my people so much. What am I going to do? I'll give. God so loved the world that he gave. And so we know that love gives. Love gives. And for for those of us that claim to have God in our heart, for those of us that claim to have love in our heart, uh, and, and, and my, 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 my spiritual father, uh, one of my spiritual fathers, John, told me uh, not too long ago, he said, I got a problem with people who claim to love but don't give. You, you, you claim that, that God is in you and that he rules your actions but don't give. He said, I got a problem with people who claim to know God but don't give their tithes and offerings can't give God 10% of actually what is already his anyway. The Bible says in John and, 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 and 1 John, the third chapter, he says, if you, knows that, if you know that someone has a need, if you know that someone has a need and you close your heart off to it, this is 1 John, 
the third chapter, if you know that someone has a need and you close your heart off to it and do not give to that need, it literally says, how can you say that God is in you? God wouldn't do that. God does not do that. God cannot. He is incapable of ignoring needs. If he passes by something, he has to do something about it. And so this is a little blues clue to let you know you have God's love in your heart is that you cannot ignore a need. You have to do something. And not having money or having very little is is not an excuse. We all have something. Different amounts of money in this room. We all have something. Nobody is completely broke. If you are, send me at the church. I'll slip you a dollar. We all have something. I, I say that to say we all have something to give. I remember I was uh, back this before I met Tesla, a single guy. I was walking down the down the street, and I had I. I, I my, my bank account was negative at the time. And I had $10 in my pocket and I saw a guy on the street who really needed it and he didn't ask for it, but I knew that there was a need. It was pretty obvious there was a need. And so I remember, I, was like, uh, I didn't know what I was going to eat that day, but I took that $10 and, 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 and I gave it to him. Why? Because if I walked by that, now I didn't have to give him all of it, but if I walked by that and I ignore it, how can I say, the First John 3 says, how can I say that God is in me? I, I, I hope, and even as you can think back, I hope you have to think real far. If you have to think to the last time you walked by a need and didn't do anything about it. When's the last time you, you saw someone who needed something and you didn't do anything about it? The Bible says that when Jesus looked on the people and he saw that they were as sheep, the Bible says Jesus wept, he cried. But he didn't just say, oh, they need, they need someone to lead them. He died for our sins. That is the difference between uh, feeling sorry for people and having compassion. The word compassion literally means that uh, it means to move. The word compassion literally means to move that we're not just all, that we're moved. There's not a person in this room. If, if, if I show you, uh, you know, some, uh, you know, you, you see the commercials with the babies on the screen, the babies in Africa or wherever, and it's clearly they haven't eaten in, in days or whatever. There's not a person in this room that, that, that would see something like that or see anyone in a need and not feel, oh, you got you to be a pretty callous person to not see a need and not at least think, oh, oh man, that's, that's pretty unfortunate. You got to be a pretty callous person to not even feel that. But that's not, that's not God. God moves. God moves. God sees a need and he moves. He sees something needs to be done and he moves. He moves on it. He always Always, always, always acts on it. And so if God's love is in your heart, when you see a need, you always, always, always act on it. 
And so this is very close to home. Paul, and, and you may not want to hear this. This isn't really an amen type of sermon. This is really not a jump up and down type of sermon, but it shows where your heart is. The Bible says that where your treasure is, Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart is also. Jesus said, I can, I can judge your heart by judging your giving. Jesus said that. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. The Bible says that Jesus was in the temple. And the Bible says that Jesus was in the temple. And the Bible says that uh, this guy came along and he had a lot. But he didn't give very much of what he had. Now, this is Jesus talking. He saw that the guy had a lot but didn't give very much. And then he kept on watching. He saw that another woman came up, and the Bible says she only had a mite. Okay? That would be about a penny in today's time. She only had a penny, but she gave her penny. Jesus not only saw how closely was he watching, that he not only saw what they gave, but he saw what they had. Jesus, Jesus in the temple being nosy. How close, how close was he to the collection plate? How close was he to the person that was giving that he not only saw what they had, he saw what they were giving out of. And so we see Jesus watching how people are giving. He cared that much that he watched how people gave. And if you are sitting here, please don't think for a second that God doesn't care about your giving. Why? Because he cares about your love. God cares about our giving. Don't think that Jesus isn't standing next to the barrel. It's, 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 it's crazy to me, even in these days and times, we, we have to convince people. That's, that's one of the reasons why we don't talk about it. We don't talk about it very much. You've never heard me preach a sermon on, on giving, on, on, on paying your tithes. You've never heard me preach a sermon about it. Why? Because it is understood that that's just what we should do. It is, it is understood. It should go without saying. We shouldn't have to even talk about it. That if God's love is in your heart and that Jesus lives on the inside of you, then giving 10% of what is already his anyway should just be, should be something that just goes without saying. That we shouldn't have to convince you to do it, just give you the opportunity to. We don't have to get on you. We shouldn't have to get on you. We shouldn't have to convince you, talk you into it. Just put the barrel in the back. Just, just let it be where they can pass by it. Because if God is in them, it should just be a natural, a very natural thing. When you think about who walked here, raise your hand if you walked here. Nobody, nobody. Everybody came in a car. If you understand the very fact that God gave you the car, that God blessed you with the car that you came in. There's not a person in here who hasn't eaten in the last 48 hours or 24 hours. If you're like me, you've eaten, you eat every two or three. 
But if you understand if, and you come to terms with the fact that God has blessed me with something, then I ought to give him something. God doesn't even need what you have. It's just the principle. God doesn't even need, the Bible says, the Bible lets us know God has a quality and we haven't, we haven't preached a sermon on it, but it, and we've talked about it, the fact that God is assaic. That, I'm sorry, that God has a saity. It, it, it is a quality that means that God don't need us. He doesn't need anything we have. But still, the very fact that God, God doesn't need my 10%. He doesn't need it. That's what I'm saying. He doesn't need it. God, the, the, the kingdom of God isn't hinging on whether I give it or not. That it will be fine whether I do it or whether I not. But it, it's, a, it's a principle. God doesn't even need it, but he still wants it. The Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. God wants from you. God wants from you. He's watching your giving. It does matter to him. The Bible says that Jesus, with, with, he, only, he only spent three years in ministry on earth. But with three years, only three years on earth, we find him in the temple standing next to the collection plate. We find him in the And so, in only having three years to work, we know that he made every second count. We know that all the things we see him doing in scripture, they were important. He only had three years. He had no time to waste. And so, when we see him in the temple watching the giving, we know that giving mattered to him. And you don't have to jump up and down. You don't have to, you don't have to say amen. But God is watching your giving. The Bible says when Cornelius, thank you, Jesus. Uh, I, I want to say this in the, in, in the book of Acts, when, when Cornelius had been praying for his family. Cornelius, thank you, Jesus. The Bible says that Cornelius had been praying for his family. And the Bible says that God talked to Peter who was sleeping on a roof and he showed Peter a dream. And he said, go down to this guy's house. I know you don't know him. Uh, his name is Cornelius. He, he, he was an, an Italian guy. And the Bible says that God heard Cornelius's prayer and sent Peter down to his house. And the Bible says that Peter came to Cornelius' house and his whole house was saved, okay? Because he was praying for his house. But if you look at that story, it doesn't just say that God heard Cornelius' prayer. The Bible says that Cornelius' giving went up as a memorial before God, which means that when his prayer went up, God remembered his giving. Thank you, Jesus. As his prayer went up before God, that right next to it, as a memorial, God remembered, oh, he's been giving. And so as you pray, (laughs) as you pray that God, as your prayer goes up before God on the screen, it's a split screen, at the same time your giving shows up too. And that, that does, I'm not going to, it doesn't mean that God's not going to answer your prayer if you don't give. It means that God remembers it. It means that it does factor into the decision. It means that it does matter to him. 
And the Bible says Cornelius didn't even, uh, he didn't even know God. He didn't even know God. But he gave, he was a very generous man. And when he prayed, God, part of the reason God answered his prayer was because God remembered his generosity. And so we can't claim to love God but be stingy. That's an oxymoron. That doesn't even make sense. God and stingy shouldn't even go in the same sentence. Love and stingy don't even go together. It doesn't even fit together. There was this thing uh, when I was a kid. It was Sesame Street. They used to say, which of these things don't go together? And he used to show four or five things. It would show uh, uh, three letters and a number. And say, which of these doesn't fit? And if you had any common sense at all, uh, you would be able to pick out the one that doesn't fit. And so I, I show to you today, God love stingy. Which one doesn't fit? God love not paying your tithes. Which one doesn't fit? And as you sit there quiet today, I, I, I want you to know, uh, and this is, this is one of the problems with churches in America, I, I believe many places of worship, that, that, that the preachers are giving out uh, cotton candy and, and, and cake and cookies and trying to make you feel good. And if that's what you're after, Radius White Knoll is the wrong place for you. We're giving out soul food, good soul food, chicken, macaroni and cheese, vegetables, sometimes some Brussels sprouts, stuff that's good for you, something that'll sustain you and get you through the week and months ahead. I don't, I, we have no interest in whether you like it or not. I remember sitting down at my mom's table. I was, I was in the house for 18 years before I went to college. In 18 years, I was never asked once what I wanted to eat. Not one time. Isn't that, isn't that kind of crazy? Not once in 18 years. Hey, hey, Derek, this is going to be a future pastor and everything. What do, you, what do you want to eat, buddy? What do you want to eat? She didn't know that. It didn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I would have said said the same thing every time anyway. She never even asked me. It didn't even matter. (laughs) She was going to give me, as my father and mother, they were going to give me what was best. And if you come here, we will give you what is best for you. The Bible talks about, and you may say, oh, we've gotten off the subject. No, no, no. The Bible talks about men of God who have the interest of tickling your ears, the Bible says. That you tell you you know false prophets, they tickle your ears. In other words, they want to say something that, that, that sounds that feels good when you hear it. And that's not God's word. God's interested in how we give. And the devil knowing, the devil knowing that God is love. Knowing that God is love and wanting to render the church powerless. He robs the church of love. He is, he is after our love. I want you to know that he is after our love. He is after our love. And we see that, uh, that God is after our love when you see Christians who, who, who have such strong, I mean, strong political affiliations. I mean, real strong, I mean, like too far. 
if you get more worked up about Obama and the fact that he sucks, there's something wrong with that. If, 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 you're, if you care more about that, if, I'll say it this way. If you were as passionate about that as you were about sharing God's love and his message, this place would be full. I, 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 I know people, and, and, and none from here, I know people, gosh, Christians who say they are, get, start talking about Obama or start talking about Trump, get so worked up, so worked up, won't share the gospel with their next door neighbor, but will sit here and talk to you all day about why our nation sucks, why our president sucks, past, former president, whatever. So passionate about that, more passionate about that than the message of Christ. There's something wrong with that. God is robbing us. The devil's robbing us of love. When we see people have racial tension, siding in racial sides, that's why it does me so, does my heart so good to look across this crowd and see people of different kinds in radius white no. That, that, that does my heart good. It means there's love here. See black and white, Hispanic, different kinds of people sitting in this room. That is why we talk about it so much. That is why it means so much to us. Because it is the sign of the love of God. And so many times we, 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 we say that we love God, but then we only share Christ with people who look like us. You share Christ. That's not Radius Church. That's Radius Country Club. You share Christ. That's why you walk into a church and everybody looks the same. You walk into a church and everybody looks the same. I, I, that angers me, both sides of it. It doesn't matter. Both is wrong. Walk into a church and everybody's black. I guess under my skin. Everybody in the world ain't black. Everybody in that community ain't black. I, I see that. I want to walk out. Walk into a church and every single person in the church white. Are you serious? I see that. That makes me want to walk out. Uh, I, and I've done it. I've walked into churches. Everybody's black. Okay. Tessa, give me the key. Walk into a church. Everybody's white. Everybody's black. No, no, no. God's love has no bounds. And we can't, we can't do that. We can't just minister to people who look like us and say that God is in us. The Bible says that when Peter went to go, when Peter was told to go minister to Cornelius, the Bible, uh, the Bible says, oh, God, why, why do you want me to do that? And, and God began to communicate to, plead, to Peter. He said, you can't call what I've created unclean. He said, you can't do that. My love knows about Peter was a Jew. Cornelius was an Italian. Peter didn't want to go. God said, if you have my love in you, if I am in you in, in any way, you'll go down there. And Peter, a Jew, went to go, went to go give Jesus to an Italian man. And if we say that God loves us, we, we say that God's love is in us. We can't just give, if you're white, you can't just give, give Jesus to other white people. You're black. You can't just give Jesus to other black people. No, 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 no. God's love knows no bounds. God's love knows no bounds. And yes, we harp on it. Yes, we talked about it because that, to do that, that's not God.
The devil's trying to rob. He's trying to rob. He robs, he, he, he robs the church of God by robbing us of love. If he can just get us to stop loving. If he can just get us to stop giving. If he can get us to turn up our nose at people who sin like we've never sinned. If he can get us to see a need and walk past it. If he can get us to just invite people who look like us. Or to just share the gospel with people who look like us. We're in 2017. If, if, if you're white, you should have had someone at your table in 2016 who was of another race or ethnicity. And, and that, that, think about that for a second. Think about that for a second. It's just a common way to, to, to kind of check yourself and see where you are on this. And you don't have to share it. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. In, in, in the last year, in the last calendar year, did someone of another ethnicity sit across from you at your dinner table? Did it, did it ever happen? I mean, all year, from New Year's Day to Christmas, did it happen at all? It just show, it shows where your heart is. But if we, we say that God's love is in us and, you know, the, God is, the devil's trying to rob the church of love. He's trying to rob us of love. If he can rob us of love, he robs us of God. In a church without love, what are we? It's like macaroni with no cheese. What, what you got? Who are you feeding? That macaroni and no cheese on it. What, what, what you going to do with that? Who, who's who's going to eat that mess? That's like a club with no drinks and no music. What do you have? And such is a church with no love. A church who does not share what we have. A church who does not share the gospel with different kinds of people. And I'm going to end with this. The Bible says if we do that, when we pick what we want to do and, and leave certain things out, when we say, well, oh, I'll do this and I won't do that and God wants me to do this, and, but I'm not going to do that. When we pick and choose what we want to do, the Bible says that is a form of godliness. That is a, a form of godliness. It kind of looks like godliness so it'll fool you. Okay, it's a form of godliness, but how do you know it's not godliness? Because it will deny the power thereof. It, 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 it may look like godliness, but there's no power. It may look like godliness, but souls won't be saved. It may look like godliness, but people won't come to Christ. That's not the way we want to be. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for... All of your blessings, God, we thank you for your love. God, Proverbs 3 lets us know that we should let love. Let love. That love isn't just going to overcome us. Love isn't just going to, that God's not going to go against our will. That we should let love. God, help us to let love change us. so that we can reflect you in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. This audio is provided as a free ministry of Radius Church. 
If you would like to reproduce this audio, please feel free to do so. We ask that you do not charge for any reproductions that you make. If you would like to know more about Radius, please visit us online at radiuschurch.org or download our app from your app store.